We're back down on campus, and for the first time in a little while, there's actually students on campus. We're recording this from Studio 49 here at the uh, Gallagher Business Building on the University of Montana campus. Justin Engel, now uh, actually back in your professor role. You've been a professor for this whole time, but you took a little while off. You wrote a book, but now you're back in class. How did it feel yesterday? I know. Yesterday, I taught my freshman class, the Business Safari. And I had 200 uh, excited freshmen, not all freshmen, but mostly freshmen in the classroom. And I got to tell you, like, it felt really good. I was rusty. I had to knock off the dust. And uh, I forgot the sort of energy it yeah, takes right. to, to put into holding a room for, for 80 minutes with 200 people in it. But it was really engaging and, and kind of fun to be a part of that enterprise again. Did you get a rush from it? I did. It, it, it's fun, right? I, yeah. I People felt... ask me this about my job all the time too. Do you, you know, you ever get tired of you or used to being on the live radio? I don't. Like every time I go live, yeah. I'm like, well, this is the real deal. We got to nail this right now. Yeah, live without a net. <laughs> you know, here we go. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you're back in it. Also, congratulations on the book. Thanks for the uh, the nice gift. Uh, I plan on reading it right after. Well, I get, that's good. <laughs> I, right after uh, I get done with this book, I'm currently reading. It is. Uh, it's really hard to find any part of NBA history that I don't know at least a little bit about. Mm. I found a book where they have. It's called oh, Black Ball, and it's all about the uh, pre-ABA NBA merger, the cases of Connie Hawkins, who was basically blackballed from the NBA because of uh, an alleged gambling ring that he was in in college, but huh. then the subsequent court case that got him reinstated. Th- there's also the, the curious case uh, of a couple different players, including... Oscar Robinson, I had no idea. Oscar Robinson sued the NBA. He was the head of the player, Players Association, and they sued the NBA to basically create free agency. Wow. And then there's the whole case of, of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and just him being this this pivotal face and perhaps the most famous uh, black athlete in America mm-hmm. at the time when the merger happened and uh, the, all the things that go into that. What a fascinating book. Thanks to Rajim Seabrook for giving it to me. I have learned so much. I mean, I read three quarters of it just on my flight this weekend. Fantastic. uh, Certainly a a good one. But Justin Engel's uh, book is finally out, so uh, you can go pick that up. It's available pretty much anywhere, right? Wherever you buy books, go to Fact and Fiction. That would be the place to do it. Sweet. Well, let's talk first and foremost about some stuff that has been going on around here on campus. What a Sunday evening for the Grizz soccer team. Mm, You talk about drawing almost 2,000 fans. We were th- we were thinking that might have been the most well attended soccer game in the history of the state of Montana. Could be. That's pretty Could cool, be. man. That's pretty yeah. cool for them. Although I got to say, like I've been to some of the Hellgate soccer games, and they tend to uh, draw <laughs> for sure. They crowd around for sure, Missoula. especially when the state tournament has been in Missoula too. There's been some good crowds, but yeah. uh, I mean, two thousand people on hand to watch the Grizz take on Ohio State. Uh, pretty cool for the program. What do you sort of think of Montana's sort of uh, potential as a mid major though? Chris Chitavitsky talked a lot about it on our show, saying, "Hey." You know, if Gonzaga basketball or Butler basketball can do this, why not Montana soccer? Why can't we be like a mid-major power in the in the Western United States? They're recruiting on a high enough level. I think women's soccer. There's some the certain elements where where you're at, like the city of Missoula. I think that really resonates a lot with the recruits that you can yeah. bring in. I don't think there's that much of a sort of transition. A lot of times when you're bringing football and basketball players from urban areas into Missoula, it's a little bit hard. You can get girls from regional places that can fit into Missoula. I don't know. I just think that their program has upward, uh, limitless upward potential, and I think Sunday was a great example of that. Yeah, I, 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 I think there's something there. the The program can put together a pretty compelling value proposition. This is a great place to come and study. Soccer is is sort of embraced in this town. The high school soccer scene is pretty robust. The Hellgate, as we talked about. 
And there's a bit of distinctiveness. I mean, the University of Montana sets apart, you know, it continue, continuously or consistently is at the top of the Big Sky Conference. Yes. And so being at the top of the list year in, year out, having those tournament opportunities and, and now being able to tell the story that you can compete with the big time schools. And, yep. and I don't know where necessarily Ohio State ranks nationally, but it's the sort of school that's in the popular ethos as yeah. a mega sports school. I don't really know where they rank in the in the sort of national landscape either, but to be a sh- to be certain, they're Ohio State, so it's absolutely fully funded. Yeah, I mean they're going to have as much resources at their disposal as anybody in the country. Exactly. So from a recruiting standpoint, now you can say we can play with anybody. Yeah. Right. And once you can make that claim, then it's pretty compelling for anybody to come here. They also solved the uh, the piece of. They've sent multiple girls to the professional ranks. Yes, exactly. That's another place where you say, hey, you're going to come in here. You're going to get to live in Missoula, Montana. Big selling point. You're going to get to play in front of, now they can say thousands of people. Big mm-hmm. selling point. And we can get you where you want to go if you have pro aspirations. Yeah, That's you, also a huge selling you point. You can continue to make it your career. You can play at the highest level. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, the business angle with Justin Angle coming to you uh, from the University of Montana Business School here on campus, Studio 49 to be exact. Appreciate Blackfoot Communications for all their contributions to us. I know they helped contribute to this studio and uh, they do a lot for us uh, for a variety of different ways. So uh, visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you uh, and your small business. It was also a big weekend for the volleyball team. They took it on the chin a little bit because they had three NCAA tournament teams in yeah. town. Um, but still, it's it's just it's cool, and I think that this is a great recruiting, or excuse me, a great scheduling strategy if you're the the Grizz athletic department. How do you get the fifth ranked volleyball team in the country in Pitt to come here? Well, you get them to come here in August. Yeah, and you say, hey, come here. And we'll, we'll hook you up with the local whitewater rafting place, and we'll hook you up with some hikes and say, hey, come out for a week, and you can play in this little tournament. We'll have some other good opponents in there, and uh, you can use our community as team building. I think it's a great way to sort of hook some great teams early on. It's a great sales pitch. I mean, you got to use this place to an advantage. You have a for wonderful sure. advantage in that this is a desirable place to come. And it's more desirable in certain times of the year than others. Right? It's going <laughs> to exactly right. be hard to get a top basketball team to come in here, you know, in the middle of the winter when it when you're just subject to a lot of volatility in the weather. But late August, coming into Missoula, using it as a team building opportunity, it's fantastic. I mean, when I used to row crew at Penn, and this we're digging back into the days here. But we used to, you know, train all through the winter in Philadelphia, and then our first race of the year would be the San Diego Crew Classic. And it was like our spring break. The team kind of really came together during that trip. Yes. And, you know, it's such an important opportunity for the university to be able to showcase itself to these other programs. And then for the students coming to campus, what a great first weekend yes. to be on campus as a freshman or a returning student. You can go out to a wonderful soccer game, watch the Grizz compete at the highest level. Or he can take in this volleyball tournament, and we haven't even gotten to football yet. Right, and football's coming down the pipe. Grizz open home football season at noon, high noon. Watch the Grizzly Stadium against Butler. That was one thing I really wanted to talk to you about from a business perspective. It's sure. a very interesting sliding scale that Montana has going right now, and so does Montana State. It truly doesn't matter who you play if you open up your season at home on Labor Day weekend. You're selling it out. Yeah, you're selling it out. Totally. Period. What's sort of the give and take on the sliding scale for you, though, from both a revenue projection, a revenue generation standpoint, as well as an exposure standpoint? Because you saw you saw Montana go on the road and win in Seattle a couple of years ago. That makes the whole country talk about the Montana Grizzlies. Yeah. 
The Grizz are almost certainly going to win on Saturday against Butler, and they're probably going to run roughshod over the Bulldogs. It's going to be a seven-touchdown advantage, and you know they'll look great, and Butler won't look like anything, and that's just. But everybody will love it. There's there's the paycheck that comes with it. You're about even when it comes to playing Washington and, and selling out a home game. But what do you think of sort of this? There's a variety of different ways to do this. It seems like the Grizz are pretty set on opening it up with a winnable game at home to generate revenue and build momentum, as opposed to maybe chasing the glory of, of going and upsetting a big-time team on the road. Sure, there's a variety of strategies you can employ to kind of win the weekend. And when we say win, we're talking in the business sense here. So going to Seattle, playing UW, you know, that's a high-risk strategy. It's not often the Grizz totally. are going to be able to upset a team like the Huskies in Seattle. Um, but going there paid huge dividends, not only in terms of the notoriety um, and the recruiting benefits that that generates, but also... We have such a strong alumni base right. in Seattle and Portland yep. and all those areas that would yep. go and pay attention to that game. So getting alums fired up, donors, et cetera, has, pays huge be- uh, dividends to the school. So that should be considered as a sort of revenue stream in this, in this uh, game. If you're short of being able to bring in a national caliber team into your home stadium – and generate national television. I mean, bringing in somebody like Butler and a winnable game, like that seems like the best alternative, right? To, to like the ESPN game we had six years ago. Yes, it's it's interesting because I do think that sometimes fans, especially really locked in fans, get a little frustrated with non-conference when there isn't like a premier opponent yeah. on there. You know, you look at Montana State, they're hosting – Utah Tech Saturday night, and then they're hosting Stetson in a couple weeks. But they have South Dakota State in between. Yeah. So the fan base can say, okay, well, we got a tune-up game, and then we got a sort of relief game after we play the national champions, but we play the national champions. I, I do sort of get when Grizz fans get a little frustrated, like, eh, Butler, eh, you know, Ferris State, which, by the way, defending two-time defending Division II national champs, so you can't really totally overlook Ferris State. You don't State. want to lose that one. And then you got, you know, your first ever trip to St. George, Utah in between. I could see some people saying hey, this non-conference is a little bit frustrating here, but at the end of the day, these non-conference schedules are made first and foremost to to balance the budget, right? To to project to, to generate enough revenue to to you know do what you need to do as an athletic department. Absolutely, and we've talked about this in this segment. I mean, the importance of filling that stadium to the University of Montana athletic program is kind of. We have a powerful revenue generator, powerful yeah. profit generator in I mean, that stadium. But r- roughly, you're producing about one-fourth of your athletic department budget yeah. off the six home football games that the University of Montana will play this year. It's a significant number. Significant number. It's 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 a sign of the power of that resource, yes. but also the exposure that the athletic department has to that sort of lack of diversity in its revenue streams. Bobby Houck was funny at his press conference. He was asked about the, the record-setting season ticket uh, sales this year yeah. for the Grizz, which is um, certainly a testament to the fan base. I think it's also sure. a testament to the fact that the Cat Grizz game's here, so people know, hey, I'm gonna, yeah, I can buy season tickets for 250 bucks. I can sell my Cat Grizz tickets for 250 bucks. So, <laughs> sort of a, a linear connection. But like he said, he said, I really appreciate all the people that that dove in for season tickets. But also, we sell out that stadium pretty much every time we play in it. <laughs> so it is the expectation at Montana. And, and it's sort of a similar parallel to the NFL. I don't know really how that ever would fail. I mean, the Grizz have had unbelievable success in the past. They've also had sort of up and down success the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. It hasn't impacted their attendance whatsoever. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of similar to what we talk about with the NFL and football in general. You know, how much of what sort of shocks can a system like this endure? You know, if there's an external shock like um, a scandal we had years ago, is there um, declining performance? Is there, you know, a, a, you know, s- introduction of some professional sporting franchise in Montana, which I doubt would ever happen? Right. But you know, the question is, like, what can it endure? And it seems to be able to endure an, an awful lot. Um, at the same time, one of the risks that that creates is that you start to depend on filling that stadium. And you start to depend on a couple home playoff games and businesses and departments make their budgets around those sorts of things. So even though it is considered like a cash cow in many ways, if you build ancillary systems dependent on the the revenue that that cash cow generates, you're still on the margin subject to disruption if you're not filling it to the brim every time. This is you just perfectly described what is going to be a huge obstacle for Division One athletics in America because the entire institution of like, there's 32 Division One sports that are offered. Football, they're doing their own thing now. Mm-hmm. The other 30 depend on men's basketball and the tournament to then host their championships. Yeah, if that ever gets uh, you know, like you're saying, if if you're dependent on and then it goes away, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a huge issue for all the rest of the sports. Absolutely. And some sports, you know, have other sources of revenue. Some sports are funded by a ton of alumni donations and that sort of philanthropic support. So there are other ways that you can support an athletic program. But yeah, that kind of exposure to the, you know, if if you build your whole system around a dependence on the revenue generating sports, then you sort of have to rise and fall with the uh, the ability of those programs to generate revenue. Justin Angle, the business angle, coming to you from Studio 49 here on the University of Montana campus. It's probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Uh, good stuff. I, I love all this uh, on-campus stuff because it is fun. You can feel the energy down here, even just parking and walking through. The, you know, the last couple times I've come here, there's nobody here. Yeah, and now, I, you exactly. know, hey, how you doing? You know, there's a million people around here. It's so, fun to feel it come uh, to life. It, yeah. It's certainly fun to feel it uh, come to life. Uh, there are a couple of things we didn't get to uh, last time. That just quick hitters for you. Mm-hmm. Usually, July and early August, for us, we talk a ton about the NBA and all the, the movements, free agents yeah. and trades and all that. There was some stuff with you know James Harden, will he, will he leave, will he stay, whatever. There was some stuff with Damian Lillard, is he going to get traded? But mostly it was as calm of an NBA offseason as ever. We talked about this a lot with Adam Silver and how he's put this high priority on parity in the league, which is the abject opposite of what David Stern wanted in the NBA. Do you feel like that's a reflection of this, the the fact that there was a calm offseason? Was that a direct reflection of Adam Silver's desire for the NBA? Yeah, I don't quite know. I mean, I don't think we can contribute – we can attribute it to – um, you know, a single season, we can draw that con- sure. uh, that that conclusion. I mean, we've seen movement of stars in the offseason under Silver's tenure. I just don't think any big stars moved this year. And that could be uh, a function of contract structure. That could yeah. be a function of competitive parity in I, the league. I think it is a, a product as well of the Institute of the Supermax where you can sign yeah. with the team that drafted you. 
a lot of guys did that. Mm-hmm. So that, that that removes a lot of guys that could have been marquee free agents the last year or two. Yeah, they're locked up. They're I don't know if they're necessarily content in sure. where they're at, but they're they're committed to staying there. And so, you know, that forms a type of stability, which I think is ultimately, you know, whether or not it's an outcome of Silver's agenda, I I think it's probably a good thing for the league to have stars stay put longer, you know, because then you, we've talked about Kevin Durant before, like what is Kevin Durant's fan base? Right. You know, he, he definitely has fans, but they're fans of Kevin Durant. They're not fans of the team's for which he has played. Right. And that's kind of an interesting, and you could maybe even chalk LeBron up in that category. Totally. Because he's played for a number of teams now and moved around. And so are there LeBron fans or are there, you know, Laker fans or Cavalier fans or Heat fans? Like in the day of Jordan, there were Jordan fans, but there were, those people were also Bulls fans. That's right. Right. That's right. Like those, that, those Venn diagrams overlapped almost entirely. <laughs> totally. It is a, such an interesting deal. Uh, a couple others. We talked about the the power issue for Sports Illustrated quite a bit on the mm. business angle, and one of the, the people that they highlighted was Naomi Osaka, and she's she's so famous and marketable for a variety of different reasons. But I do think there's a reemergence now of a couple uh, young ladies that could challenge her. Simone Biles is back yep. doing her thing, uh, and probably going to be the, the next big. Uh, she's she's already a huge star, but if she is. If she replicates what she's done in the past at the next Olympics, take it to the stratosphere. She, yeah. she will be in in amongst the top most marketable athletes in the world. The other one, Shakira Richardson, she uh, won the U.S. qualifier last week in the hundred meters. She blew a kiss to the sidelines. You know, she's she's gone back and forth to running with her wigs and running without her wigs, and and she's doing all these things to increase her image. She's such an interesting one to me, though, because she's got the swagger, she's got the the performance. But she also has gotten dinged for failing drug tests a couple yeah. times. Yeah. So what do you think of just her sort of marketability? I, I guess at what point do you think that corporate America will get over sort of her indiscretions? Because to me, in certain sectors, she is marketing gold. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all about what story can you tell. Right. right? And we're sort of, our brains are conditioned to be able to easily process a few different story arcs, right? And one of the story arcs we are very accustomed to processing is the, you know, the man falls in a hole story. Like the life is going along pretty good, then I fall into a hole, I hit rock bottom, and then I struggle, I struggle, I struggle, and then life is great. Right. Right. That's like the hero's journey. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, it's very mm-hmm. easy for us to kind of put that structure, that narrative structure into yep. into our yep. brains. And so if there's a, a story that can be told with Shikari Richardson that fits into that, like if marketers can figure out how to do that, then I think there's tremendous upside. It's And there probably is a way to do that. I'm not familiar enough with her case to necessarily sketch that out. Sure. But if there is some like core adversity to overcome Mm-hmm. And then success after that adversity, mm-hmm. th- then you're there. If it's just a series of just you know random acts that you can't really tie together into a coherent story, then it just becomes this brash person who's self-promoting and failing drug tests and performing great, and then is inconsistent. Sure, so it has to fit some na- narrative arc, I think, for for that particular story to compel. To me, there's some parallels with the Angel Reese story, who's the young lady mm-hmm. at LSU, and you know she said, "Hey, I." I you guys think I'm from the ghetto or whatever. I am proud to be where I'm from, and I'm proud to act the way I act. I'm proud to have the style. 
I think it scares some people. Shakari yeah. Richardson, I mean, she's sometimes she wears the bright yellow wig. She's got the long nails. I mean, she's not taking any prisoners, but she winks at the camera. I, I, I think it's awesome. But I think some people are like, well, this is a very powerful black woman that is filled with charisma. And I think that scares people sometimes. I think there's definitely something there, right? A, a black woman being threatening to certain audiences, audiences that expect a certain level of decorum we've seen this in professional sports time and time again and so you have to applaud her for you know being who she is and being proud of that and being in your face with it and and at the same time like you can be all those things but in sports you also got to win and and she's winning that's right right and so to the extent that she does all this stuff and expresses her personality if she's winning people will get on board that's exactly right and i think that you know I think there's going to be a tipping point with all of this, and I hope it tips in the way that I hope that it tips, mm-hmm. right? Like, to me, in a, in a dream world, when Shakari Richardson is threatening the national and world records in the 100 meters, and then she she smashes it again, and she blows a kiss as she crosses the side, I mean, that should be a Nike commercial, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, that, that should be, she should be getting an endorsement for that, because it's to me, it's as, as pure as competition can be, and, it, you know, if she's brash and, and whatever, so be it. That's just her, and I, I just I think that uh, she has a lot of potential in that area. So I, I hope that they give her uh, a chance. It's the business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Justin Angle joining us uh, here on ESPN Radio. Anything else to add? I mean, I would add one caveat—not caveat, but just one thing to be wary of, right? Like track and field has been subject to kind of all kinds of scandals with performance-enhancing drugs. And That's the irony here, right? She got she failed a drug test, but not for any of the drugs that are helping her cheat at her sport. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> so a, a reality of some of the injustice here is that when you act in a way that can be threatening to power structures, you invite scrutiny, mm-hmm. right? And, and in some ways, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I love the style. It's 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 compelling it's entertaining it's motivational but she's putting a target on her back no for sure and that's not the way the world should operate but in in some instances in certain places it's the way the world does operate and so that's something to pay attention to here thanks for being here man i know it's a busy week for you i'm glad you're back in the classroom it's fun it's good to be here thanks business cycle presented by blackfoot communications visit goblackfoot.com